0: Well, God bless you. Again, my name is Pastor Pradeep and Jimanohar in Sivaretnam, but you can call me Pradeep and Jiva for short. And uh, so glad you guys are here. If you're here for the first time and you want to get connected, just want to let you know we would love for be- this to be a place where you can get connected, feel like you have friends and family and things like that. And uh, we're in the middle of a series talking all about relationships. And so last week, how I many of you guys loved hearing from Pastor Amrita as she talked about relationships and she preached a powerful message about how sometimes in relationships, relationships, we get into a debt Debtor situation where you're like, hey, I did this for you, now you owe me. But love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love doesn't carry a debt. And so we both lay down our lives for each other. And we kicked out this message series with this sermon called Marriage with Benefits. Talked about how marriage isn't just a piece of paper. It's not just a, a contract, but it's it's more deep. It's something called a covenant where I've got your back no matter what. Because with a contract, you have an out, but with a covenant you say, even if you hurt me, I'm with you. And there's safety that comes with marriage, marriage with benefits. And today, I'm going to kick us off into a third part of the series called Views of Sex, all right? And I just want to give a little warning that this message is going to be rated biblical, okay? Rated B, and so we're going to talk about the Bible. It's not going to be crude or vulgar, but I want Kalos Church to be a place where we can address the realities of our culture, amen? And we can talk about real issues, real people, real things, and we don't want to be a church here where we're speaking messages that are answering questions that nobody is asking, you know what I mean? And so we're going to have a rated B kind of message today, and uh, I just love what God's doing in this place. It's just amazing to see the lives changed in this room, the people that we've gotten to meet and get to know, like, like Jordan over here. Love you, Jordan, man. He comes here every week, helps us set up chairs, and has just been so faithful and saying, God, use me to make a difference in Bellevue. God, use me to make a, a difference, to make known the beauty of Jesus. And Jordan, I just want to say I'm so proud of you, and I'm so glad you're part of this family and this community. And it's hard to believe that, like, two or three months ago, four months, I didn't even know you. We didn't even know you, but you're a blessing to this community. And we want to be a place where people can belong, where people can be not okay, where we can go through life together, serve together, and love this community together. Amen? And so we're going to jump right into the series. And so views of sex. uh, The big idea for this message is that sex is a gift from God. And relationships are something that can be uh, pretty uh, awesome and pretty painful in our life. And in our lives, if we're honest, there's typically a gap between the ideal and the real when it comes to our relationships, amen? When you're thinking about getting married or maybe you're thinking about getting married, as a man, you're like, all right, I can't wait to get married because then I'm gonna have sex twice a day. It's gonna be awesome. And women, maybe you're like, you got your Pinterest board all ready for your wedding even before you met that person you're gonna marry and you're dreaming about the perfect marriage, How many of you guys can be honest? You had these dreams going into marriage, or you have dreams going into marriage. But there's a gap between the ideal and the real. And uh, how many of you guys are still dreaming? (laughs) Married married people, (laughs) take your hands down. (laughs) So there's this gap between the ideal and the real. And we're going to talk about it today. And uh, love spelled backwards is evil. Think about it. L-O-V-E. E-V-O-L. And so I want to jump to a scripture where we address this gap between the ideal and the real when it comes to sex and sexuality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20, it says this. You say, am I allowed to do anything? But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you'd bless this word to our hearing and that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. When I was a a kid, we're talking single digits, uh, I remember my friend who was a little bit older. Maybe he wasn't a friend, but he was like a double digit kind of kid. He was an older kid, a cool kid. We idolized him. And one day he brought my group of friends, single digit friends, and he got us this booklet. And in the booklet, he had some amazing pictures, pictures we had never seen before. They're, they're, they're cartoons, but they, they explained what it was. I don't know if you were like me in my childhood, but we, we were always asking people, hey, do you know what it means? Did you do it? Did they do it? Did you guys use that language? We would say the word it when it meant sex, and we, and we would giggle. Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go do it. Gonna do it? <laughs> it was that word. It was so amazing. So here comes this guy, Mike, older, and he has this booklet. And he's like, Hey, do you guys know what it means? And we're like, Yeah, but really, we did it. <laughs> and he's like, I'm gonna explain it to you with this booklet. We're so excited. And he brought us this booklet, and we're like, that's it? Oh my, they're doing what with what? This is crazy, and it was these cartoons that explain all that sex was, and we were just like, giggling and kind of felt scandalous and we realized we were way off base with what it meant and so my sister saw us in a circle looking at these pictures and giggling and she was like what are they doing so my sister's seven years older than me she approached us and was like what are you guys looking at we're like we know what it is oh my goodness she goes let me see that she's like what are you guys looking at what are you guys looking at? And um, We're like, Mike gave it to us. This book's about what it is. It's sex. She's like, all right, we're going to Mike's house. <laughs> so we all go, and we're like, no, sister, stop it. Don't. You're going to embarrass us. We finally got the sacred knowledge. Don't do it. And she goes, she grabs Mike, and she beats him up in front of us. <laughs> and we're like, no! No. <laughs> <sighs> And so that was my first time being exposed to sexual pictures. (laughs) Welcome to Kayla's church. Doesn't that story seem so outdated now in our culture where we have access to anything we want to see within six seconds, whether it's on a computer or whether it's on our smartphones. We live in such a sexually supercharged nation where we can access it and we're bombarded by these images all the time. I was doing some research on this message as we want to talk about biblical views of sex, but I realized that pornography has run rampant in our nation, and there's been sexual misconduct, whether we're talking about the Me Too movement or in Michigan this month, uh, this Olympian doctor got accused and tried for uh, assaulting over 200 people girls sexually. I mean, just something crazy is happening in our nation. And we want to be a church that can address real issues, amen, where we're not afraid to bring light into actual darkness. And so my story feels a little outdated because all these images are everywhere. And and in fact, in America, about one out of two men are addicted to pornography. And one out of six women are addicted to pornography. Uh, Every 98 seconds in America, America, there's sexual assault that goes on. And uh, as a pastor, as a human, I just want to say I'm not okay with people being stuck in darkness, in bondage, people feeling hopeless, people feeling desperate, people walking in hurt, in pain, and causing it. It's just not okay. But I believe that the truth of the gospel will stand strong for all times, including our times right now in this nation. Amen. And so I want to really go into this, and uh, uh, I, I'm just bombarded by pain as I'm studying this message. And my prayer today is that we can all find freedom and hope and healing. Hope for tomorrow and healing for our yesterdays. Will you guys join me in that prayer? That I really believe that can be a reality. But we have some views of sex in our nation that I think are contributing to some of the problems we're facing in our nation. So that's why I titled the message Views of Sex because I want to identify some views we have of sex in our nation and really compare and contrast that to what does the Bible say? what does the truth of God's Word say? And so some of the views of sex I'm going to go through are right here on the screen. And so the first view of sex I want to talk about is we've been taught that sex is an appetite. Sex is an appetite. My body has desires, so I do what I want. Even in that scripture we read, the stomach was made for food and food was made for the stomach. And that was a reference to sexual appetite, even in those biblical times. Like my body has needs. My body has desires. And we are taught in our culture that we are a divine cosmic accident. That really our lives don't have any purpose or meaning. That we are the fruit of natural accidents or natural selections. And that our our bodies just want to propagate the human species. And so why do we have sex? We want to recreate our species. We want to pass on our DNA to the next generation so that it can go on to the next generation. We are Animals and we just want to make sure our species doesn't die off And so we are taught that in our schools and in our nation. We are natural cosmic Accidents, this is a a truth of natural selection a a Darwinian evolution And so what has happened to our sexual minds and our sexual society is we say to ourselves Hey, who are you going to judge for having sexual cravings? This is me I'm an individual, it doesn't matter what society tells me, I have cravings, so I should follow that. I have these things inside of me, so I should go after that. But this philosophy is fraught with problems. Can you see that? If someone says, hey, you girl, you dress a little too scandalously, and you are at fault because you woke up desires in me, so how could I help myself from assaulting you? That's just not an okay philosophy, where we get into this idea of victim blaming, because we say, hey, I'm just following my appetites, and if you wake my appetite, I am just a victim to whatever my body wants. I am a slave to my appetite. This is so dangerous. It seems innocent at first. Yeah, you need to follow your desires, but when we see people are addicted to pornography and they're stuck in a loop where they're just trying to find the next image, the next video, and they're just following appetites, and they're consuming and consuming and consuming, and they're following their bodies, and they're slaves to their desires, that's not okay. Or when someone sees a woman or a man, and they can't help themselves, and they're like, I just got caught up in the moment, and boys will be boys. And so I assaulted her. I started off, and she said no, but then I took it another level. I was just following the urges of my body. That's not okay, but that is the fruit of an ideology that our society teaches us this is that sex is just an appetite that needs to be fed you know I I was reading some stats and even this last year in Bellevue did you know in one day in 2017 a hundred sex traffickers were caught here in Bellevue in one day right here and this isn't a reality that is like in some distant nation this isn't our city and that's not OK. This is in our city. And I, I was doing some research on these different things, um, that 100 people that got arrested for sex trafficking. and uh, In America, or no, in the world, there's 20.9 million adults and children that are bought and sold worldwide into commercial sexual servitude, forced labor, and bonded labor, 20.9 million people. And I, I just believe that there is a link between this view of appetite that sometimes can fuel us into this idea of porn being OK. And there's actually a link, if you research it, between porn and sex trafficking. And there are ends to our appetite that are just not OK. I want to read this, uh, this stat from this organization called Fight the New Drug that talks about pornography being the new drug. And uh, I want to put this up. It says this. The organization cites a 2007 study of 854 women in nine countries. Uh, that found 49% of women said that porn had been made of them while they were in prostitution. And 47% said they had been harmed by men who had either forced or tried to force their victims to do things the men had seen in porn. In other words, when Americans watch porn, they're fooled into thinking they're always watching free men and women engaging in consensual sexual intercourse. Contrary to the popular image of the porn industry, many women are being forced to have intercourse, be groped, kicked, beaten, etc. According to Fight the New Drug CEO Clay Olson, porn fuels the demand for the sex trade in a way often not seen by those who view porn. Traffickers have learned uh, to package their product in a way that disguises the fact that the performers are forced to participate, said Olson. And uh, I'm just really burdened by this because something that seems innocent, like, I'm just following my appetite, actually has contributed to the harm of millions of people. There's this, there's this powerful minister named Christine Kane. She, she has this organization called A21, and they're kind of like modern-day abolitionists that are fighting sex slavery. And she says this, and this, this strikes the chord. She says this, we could pretty much clean sex trafficking overnight if just the church people would stop watching porn. And so there's a direct link between porn and sex trafficking and even assault. And this mindset, it's just an appetite. And what have we seen in Hollywood lately? People have been exposed for assaulting people have been exposed and fired from the jobs. Some of the names, Harvey Weinstein, Mari, Kevin Spacey, Matt Lauer, Louis C.K., Dustin Hoffman, Charlie Rose, Russell Simmons. Just in this recent like year, people have been exposed by like crazy. What is happening? Why are, you know, our society pretty much agrees that some of these things are bad, like child porn or rape. But Why are people still doing this? Because I think of a an unhealthy worldview. The most common female role in porn is women in their 20s portraying to be teenagers. And so the most legal porn out there is depicting illegal porn, child pornography. In America alone, 624,000-plus child porn trainers have been discovered online. This is really crazy, and this is a reality of our nation. The uh, The largest consumer of porn in America are 12 to 17-year-old boys. And 22% of all porn that's consumed are people under the age of 10 years old. Isn't that wild? And so I think we, as a church, need to start talking about these things and bring in a biblical worldview. So the sex is an appetite. That's an unhealthy worldview that is fraught with problems. Another worldview that we have is that sex is God. If you watch movies or music videos or you see billboards or magazines, you see that sex is everywhere. And we become a slave to it. We find that we find our identity in our sexuality and so we serve our sexuality we make life decisions based off of our sexuality we find who we are where we belong how we see ourselves in the identity of our sexuality I mean people are addicted to apps to porn but then more than that they're finding that they have to serve it and their identity is there and so this reality that sex is God lowercase g is really unhealthy as well and creates some of these problems because sex cannot be God. Only capital G God can be God. Amen. (laughs) Only Jesus is Lord. Another view we have in the church as well as in the world is that sex is bad. And we've been taught, how many guys grew up in like a youth group or something like that? Uh, Anybody here? You went to a youth church or youth ministry? We were taught so often that, hey, sex is bad. Sex is gross. Sex is disgusting. So save it for the one you love like, what? <laughs> you're like, you're like sold. No, 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 no. Sex is bad. And, 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 and sadly, many of us have the view that sex is bad because, you know, while sex can be a great pleasure, it can be a great pain as well. And my heart is broken, broken to know that, you know, many of us have had things happen to us where we've been hurt or taken advantage of sexually. And uh, we have this view that sex is bad because of that. And uh, I just want to say, if that's you in this place, man, I- I'm so sorry. That is so painful and that, that wasn't okay. And uh, I just really believe, though, that we can have hope and healing in this place. I believe that your yesterday does not have to determine your tomorrow. Amen? And so, underlying a lot of these thoughts is that sex is just a commodity, it's cheap. It's just my body. It's just, it's just a couple of us, you know, if, we're, if it's consensual and we agree to it, it, it's no big deal. Sex is no big deal. It's just, it's just something we do. It's just like ground up playing. But I, I want to ask ourselves, like, what does the Bible say about this low view of sex? And my prayer is today that we can elevate our view of sex to see sex from a heavenly point of view. And so what does the Bible say about sex? And so first thing I want to share from the Bible is this, that sex is a gift. Sex is a gift. You know, there is a story in the Bible, it's actually in the first book of the Bible, the Garden of Eden, that talks about how humanity was created. And even if you believe like it was an allegory, you don't believe in a literal six day creation story, I believe that this story still applies for all of us. And in the beginning was Adam and Eve. And the first commandment God gave the two humans was to be fruitful and multiply. So they were naked, they were unashamed, God put them in paradise, and God was like, be fruitful and multiply. I can just imagine this scene. They're there, they're excited, and God is like, do it! Just do it! Make your dreams come true! Do it! That was the first commandment. Look it up, it's in the book of Genesis in fact sex is such a gift that it was the first commandment uh there's a book in the bible called the song of solomon that describes all the seasons of sex between a love A young loving couple in fact this book is so scandalous that Jewish boys were not allowed to read it until they were bar mitzvahed as acknowledged as men they couldn't read this book because it was so scandalous there's this scene in Song of Solomon 5 where they have sex and they're basking in the afterglow they're hanging out and out of nowhere is the voice and many interpret that to be the voice of God. It just comes out of nowhere. So they're alone in her bedroom. They just had sex. And this voice goes, eat and drink. Be filled in each other's love. Thanks, God. <laughs> How many of you guys have had that voice? <laughs> you know, but this is in the Bible. This is in the Bible, Song of Solomon. Uh, but I, th- I think we have done an injustice in the church because we've made sex look like fleshly and like scandalous and not okay, but really, it's a gift. And behind the gift is a giver, our God. Behind the art is an artist. Behind all of this beauty is an artist that painted it for us to enjoy. He could have made it painful, but he made it beautiful and something to look forward to. You know, I was reading through some old uh, theology books about how they used to teach people uh about sex, and uh, pretty funny, but I'm glad we live in today's age, because the church now celebrates it, but there's this book in around 1100 by this theologian named uh, Peter Lombard, he says this, the Holy Spirit leaves the room when a married couple has sex, (laughs) even if they do it without passion, (laughs) to make new, why does he do this, to make new virgins for the kingdom of God. So the Holy Spirit leaves the room when people are having sex so he can make new virgins for the kingdom of God. I don't believe that. This is what the church used to teach. Uh, here's another one by Ruth Smithers from the book. Check this out if you're really hungry to learn. Uh, it's, from, it's from a book called Instruction and Advice for the Young Bride, 1894. you guys excited about this? <laughs> so take some notes, ladies. All right. At this point, dear reader, let me concede one shocking truth. Some young women actually anticipate the night wedding night ordeal with curiosity and pleasure (gasps) beware of such an attitude one cardinal rule of marriage should never be forgotten give little give seldom and above all give grudgingly (laughs) that's what we used to teach young christian women that is not in the bible that is not in the bible it's a gift It's a gift, and I I think in the church, we've talked a lot about the boundaries of sex. Don't do this. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. And like we talked about in the first sermon, like when God saw Adam and Eve being fruitful and multiply having sex, he wasn't like, what are you doing? What are you doing with that? Like, no! No, what? (laughs) That's, you know, God was like, I made that. This is awesome. But we've talked about the boundaries a lot in the church, but not the blessings, and it's a blessing. It is a gift. So sex, this is a biblical view on sex, that it is a gift. Amen? It is a gift. And so I want us to have that view here at Kalos Church that God is a good God. This could be a great evangelism tool, honestly. Like, hey, hey, do you enjoy sexual pleasure? God created that. Don't you want to serve that kind of God? This is weird. I'm leaving. <laughs> But it's in the Bible. All right. Next thing I want to share with this out of the scripture in 1 Corinthians is this. Your body is not a commodity. Your body is not cheap. Uh, it says, you say I'm allowed to do anything. I'm just going to read through this again. But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. Um, not immortality. (laughs) Sexual immortality. Immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize, check this out in verse 15, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. Now let's go into the next part. If we could go to the next scene. All right, and don't you realize that if man joins in one with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who's joined to the Lord is one with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And you know, I just want to say that there is no such thing as casual sex. There's no such thing as casual sex. And in the scripture, he said, hey, don't have sex with the prostitute because you will become one with that prostitute. And, and, and sex is like super glue. I mean, you know, I, I, I've messed around with super glue. And I've gotten in trouble with, with it. anything with stickiness. You know, there's been times where my son, who's really, he's really into stickers right now, and he'll, he'll sometimes put stickers on my beard or my arm here, And it's really cute at first. But this beard is powerful. There's a lot of strength in it. And when I, when I rip this sticker off, sometimes it takes a little piece of me with it, the hair of my face. And I'm not okay with it. And there's, there's no such thing as casual sex. We will, we will say, oh, it's just f- physical. It's just two consensual people having fun. But really, when you have sex with someone, you leave a part of yourself with them and you leave a part of who you are with them. It's not just a commodity. Your body is not a commodity. You know, in, in the church and in our lives, we've adopted this mindset called dualism, which says, like, our bodies are evil and our spirits are good. Our bodies are evil and our spirits are good. You know, I am not my body. I'm just a spirit with a body. But this scripture actually says that, don't you see that your bodies are actually part of, of Christ. And the scripture says, don't you see that Jesus cares about your body? We are, like we talked about in the first sermon, we are triune beings. We are body soul, and spirit, and Jesus cares about every single part of us. But we will say, hey, the stomach was made for food, the food was made for stomach, it's just sex, it's just physical, it's no big deal, like my spirit's good, but I'm just doing stuff with my body. But your body is a part of who you are. You know, if you say, hey, don't just love me for my body, love me for who I am, if you have a scriptural understanding, that's just as weird as saying, hey, don't just love me for my personality, love me for who I am. Because in the scripture says Jesus Christ will raise our bodies from the dead. That Jesus Christ says that I care about your bodies and your bodies are a part of Christ. So there is no such thing as casual sex. It's spiritual. It's physical. The two will become one. It's like tape or super glue. And uh, I, I want to contribute this thought to us as well. If sex is a gift, and if it's physical and spiritual, I want to contribute this, that sex outside of marriage is dangerous. Sex outside of marriage is dangerous. You know, many of us, we've been caught in this trap where I believe this, that the devil really, really tries hard to get you to have sex outside of marriage and tries just as hard to keep you from having sex inside of your marriage. The devil would love it if you have sex outside of your marriage, and he would love it if you prevented you from having sex inside of your marriage. You know, in America, 20% of married couples are in what's called sexless marriages, And because there is a bonding that happens in sex. There's a two becoming one. There's a beautiful connection. There's safety. In fact, the scriptures say, hey, husbands and wives, make sure you have sex with each other. Because if you don't, you open yourselves up to temptation." And so the Bible really celebrates sex between a a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And the devil would love it if we had sex outside of marriage, but not inside of marriage. And sex outside of marriage is dangerous. And uh, I believe that there are people in this room that you are just filled with temptation and desires. There's things inside of you that you're so ashamed of. But I I just believe that there is hope in this place, that we can have hope for our tomorrow and healing from our yesterday, amen? And so sin, though, is so dangerous. You know, it's like a fire. You know, a fire in a fireplace contained with boundaries is great, it's a blessing. But if you take that same fire and you put it on the couch, it grows and it destroys your home. And you know, I've seen, as a pastor, we've seen countless examples of marriages, you know, where someone got addicted to porn. and It just started off innocently, but pretty soon they, they couldn't connect with their wife like they used to. And it became an addiction, and it became just something that they kept in the dark. And maybe they confessed it a few times, but they struggled and struggled. or maybe they were free for a few months, but then they, they binged again. And it just became this horrible reality. You know, sin, here's a quote, Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And this idea of when we follow our appetites or we serve sex as God, it's gonna, it's gonna destroy us. And that's why we need to keep this in a biblical view because there's blessing and there's boundaries. There's blessing and there's boundaries. You know, um, there's a scripture in Matthew 5, 30, Jesus talking about sexual sin. He says this, You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, that's my good <laughs> eye. Even... <laughs> so even if your good eye, I thanks, Jesus. Causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. So Jesus takes this very seriously. Just images you look at, just not adultery, but even images. And uh, I'm not trying to be vulgar here, but look at the connection Jesus says. If you look at a woman with your, if you look at a woman with lust, your eye is causing your, you to sin, and then your hand is causing you to sin. Make the connection of maybe what he's alluding to. And this is a very serious reality of addiction that many of us are dealing with. Many of us are dealing with, whether it's a sexless, sexless marriage, whether it's a porn, porn addiction, whether it's thoughts you really don't want to be having. Um, it's going to take you further than you want to go. I was reading this article, and I was inspired by sermons by this pastor named Carrie Newhoff and some others, and reading the book Loveology and uh, a book by Tim Keller as well. So I'm getting some of these examples from it. But in the New York Times, there's this article. I was amazed to see it, but it was about a a woman who had uh, cheated on her husband, and advice she would give to someone else. And she says this, start, I suggested to her, by picturing yourself in the therapist's office with your betrayed husband after you've been found out, and you will be found out. You will hear yourself saying you cheated because your needs weren't being met. The spark was gone. You were bored in your marriage. Your lover understands you better. One or another version of this uh, excuse will cross your lips like some dark knee-jerk Hallmark card sentiment. I'm not saying these feelings aren't legitimate, just that they don't legitimize what you're doing. If you believe they did, your stomach wouldn't drop on your way out the door to your lovers. You wouldn't feel the need to shower before, before climbing into the marital bed after a liaison. You wouldn't feel like a train has struck you in the back when your son asks why you forgot his lacrosse game the other day. When you miss a family function because of work, you get over it. When you miss a family function because you're in a hotel room with your lover, you feel breathless with misery. The great sex, by the way, is a given. When you have an affair, you already know that You will have passionate sex. The urgency, newness, and illicit nature of the affair practically guarantees that. What you don't know, or perhaps what you don't allow yourself to think about, is that your life will become an unbearable mix of yearning and regret because of it. It will be difficult, if not impossible, to be in any one place with contentment. This is no way for an adult to live. When you're with your lover, you'll be working on your alibi and feeling loathsome. When you're with your spouse, you'll be dying to return to your love nest. When you're at home, everything in your life will look just a little bit out of register, the furniture, the food in your refrigerator, your children, your dog, because you've detached yourself from your normal point of reference and now belongs to reality you've abandoned. You'll be pulled between two poles, one of obligation and responsibility, the other of pleasure and escape. And the stress of these opposing forces will threaten to split you in two. It's not just physical. There's something spiritual, and that's why with sexual sin, many of us are feeling like hopeless and desperate, because something with sexual sin is just hard to shake. It's just hard to get rid of, and you feel desperate, because it's, it's different than other sins. It's a sin against your own body, the scriptures say, and I, I just want to say, no matter what you're, you're struggling with today, I, I just want to offer a piece of hope, and band, you guys can come up, but if you're struggling today, that tells me you haven't been defeated, Okay? Let that sink in. If you're struggling today, that tells me you have not been defeated. That you can overcome this. That you can be delivered from this. That Jesus is the Jesus who raises the dead and makes them alive. Amen? Jesus raises the dead and makes dead things come alive. And I just want to breathe hope into you today. If you're struggling, that means you haven't been defeated. But I wanna plead with you brothers and sisters, run from sexual sin. Run from it. Stop being ashamed and pretending like you're the only one dealing with it. Run from it. Bring people into the light. Get a counselor. Get a dumb phone. Tell a friend. Run from sexual sin. The scriptures say, gouge your eyes out if it's causing you to sin. Do the practical things to run from sexual sin. You know, I, I had a friend growing up who was just addicted to pornography in such a heavy way in high school, and he confessed with me, hey, I'm struggling with this, and uh, this was a man who was wanting to go into ministry at the same time I was preparing to go into ministry, and we were part of the youth church, we were learning, becoming leaders, and he just said, I'm struggling, can you help me? And I, I would help him, we would pray together, and he was getting better and better and better, but when I went to college, and he went to a different college for a Bible study, he stopped confessing it. And he just stayed alone with his sexual sin. And it grew and grew and grew. And finally he got a ministry position. He was literally preaching all around the world to stadiums. But he was holding the secret addiction. And it started to consume him and it started to become his God. And he started to follow his appetites day in and day out. And he thought, you know, I could justify it. It's just what my body wants. But pretty soon he he started like, you know, isolating himself from people and he couldn't tell anybody. And he got caught. And after he was preaching to thousands of people, he got caught with all sorts of pornography. And uh, he lost all of his credentials and his ministry position. It's really bad. People, the church didn't abandon him. They loved him. But they're like, you're so addicted. You need to find help and healing. And we're going to love you through this. And I, I, this has been about 10 years since this happened. And I, I just want to say to you that 10 years later, my friend, he, he's been delivered from this addiction. And now he and his wife, uh, they, they have a ministry where they help other young men be free from porn addictions. And he's been porn-free for six years. And uh, he struggled through it, but he found hope and healing. And I, I just want to let you know, like, whether it's porn or whether it's sex outside of marriage or whether it's a sexless marriage, I just want to say that sex is a gift. And if you're struggling today, that means you haven't been defeated. And Jesus Christ wants you to have hope and healing, hope and healing. And I believe that that can be your reality. So let me pray for you right now. Oh, dear Father, I I just pray that there be hope and healing in this place. Oh, Jesus, I pray that we wouldn't just think we're the only ones dealing with these things anymore. But Lord, oh, Jesus, would you set the captives free? Would you set the captives free? Lord, I just hate that shame would have any victory in our lives. I just hate that that families would fall apart because of these things. But Lord, we know that you bring life to dead things. You bring hope, you bring light into darkness. And so if you're, if you're just saying, Lord, I, I'm gonna trust you with my sexuality, I want that hope and healing, would you just slightly nod your head? You're saying, hey, I want that, I want that hope and healing. I, I want all that God wants for me in sex. I want everything to line up with what God's true life would have. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you bring hope and healing. Hope and healing. Hope and healing in this place. Jesus, bring hope and healing. Lord, we're not going to follow what culture teaches us, that we just follow our appetites or that we do whatever we want or our sex identifies us. Lord, we realize that we find our identity in you, Jesus Christ. You speak and we listen. You say that we are masterpieces, that we are created in your image, that you have plans, good plans for us. Lord, we receive what you speak over us. You know, you guys can look up. I just believe that your tomorrow is going to be better than your yesterday. I really believe that. You know, and and in the realm of sex, I, I just want to communicate this as well, that sex is a symptom. And if you find you're struggling, you know, You find you're without identity. You see that sex maybe is your God. I I just want to contribute today that the only true God is Jesus Christ. And he's the one who speaks blessing and love and identity over us. And I realize there, there are people in here, maybe you've never given your life to God. You've never received that life. You want that fresh hope and fresh start. You want that forgiveness. And my prayer is that today you would receive it. I remember as a young man... I was just walking in darkness, but someone said, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to be the king of your life. He wants to lead you. You're trying to lead yourself and it's not working. Why won't you give up your leadership to Jesus and walk with him? Let him have your heart and life. And I said, yes, Jesus, I want you. I give you my life. Would you help me, Jesus? And that changed my life forever. And someone prayed for me to have that experience. And today, I want you to have that experience. If you're saying, I need Jesus in my life, Pastor Pradeepin, would you pray for me? I want that fresh hope and start. I want to pray for you. So could we bow our heads again and just make this a safe place? If you're saying, Pastor Pradeepin, pray for me. I want to give my life, my heart to Jesus. I'm sick of leading myself. I want Jesus to lead me. If that's you, on the count of three, would you lift up your hand? One, two, three. Awesome. I see hands shooting up. That's awesome. One hand, two hand. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Three hands. I love it. Well, hey, I wanna guide us all in a prayer. And for those of you who are saying that's my prayer, I'm so proud of you. I'm just absolutely so proud of you. We don't want you to walk through this decision alone. And so could we pray this prayer all together? There's some words on the screen. It's not a magic spell, but we wanna make sure we do this as a community. You're not just walking with God alone. We're gonna pray what's called a salvation prayer, where we just say, hey, my old life is behind me, and now today is the start of my new life. So let's pray this all together. Lord Jesus, all together, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Awesome. Jesus, we love you.